welcome to the Live Oak Novel Review. This is episode 8, where we will conclude chapter 3. In this segment, we see more of Shayla Palmer's history, and essentially what led her to her current situation. I consider her overall demise very tragic, and I tried to depict it in a logical way. When considering a person who ended up addicted in prison and sex trafficked, again, the expected route uh, could have been a person coming from a bad household, possibly a person without restraint, and a person without inhibitions. However, I thought it was much more compelling to essentially do the opposite. Have her come from good parents who were more strict than most. Have her be a very guarded individual when young, and also a person of natural beauty. Ironically, it is her beauty that is her biggest obstacle and leads her to her tragic fall. She must withstand constant flirting and attention from men at a fairly early age, which might not seem like that bad of a problem, but I considered it from her vantage point uh, something that was very restricted and alienating. People constantly looking at you, even if it's for good reasons, can be off-putting. Beyond the psychology, I also saw her beauty as diminishing her motivation in life as she got older. As people would fawn over her or treat her favorably based on her looks, this leads to her early pregnancy and the birth of Kadeem while Shayla is still in high school. Kadeem becomes her main focus for a while, even leading to Shayla dropping out so she can devote more time to him and work more to provide for him. She's doing well, working hard for a while, But she cannot escape her beauty and gets lured into a music video by a charismatic rapper who always visits her grocery store and compliments her uninhibitedly. At the music video shoot, she is nervous and decides to drink in order to alleviate her nerves and present well while on film. She is built up even more as being beautiful, and I would say she is objectified as well. After the shooting, uh, she joins the rapper, video producers, and others at a club where she drinks more and then finds herself into an unwanted sexual situation. I decided not to go into a ton of detail as to exactly what led to her escalating addictions and prostitution, as I thought this memory laid the groundwork well enough. She's placed in a position where her beauty is built up. She has promise that this will lead to better opportunities, and she listens and obeys the men that are in power, eventually leading her down the road of imprisonment and a shattered existence. Inspiration. Beyond the obvious imprisonment, I tried to portray Shayla really being stuck, enslaved in a sense, much earlier. Essentially, the burdens of being a woman, as in having to encounter constant predatory men, having to have their guard constantly up, and the immediate downfall when the guard is let up, trusting that Jason knows what he's doing when having sex, and then trusting the rapper and producer when they hype up the opportunity she will have in the future. After these experiences, she is in a state of helplessness and has seemingly lost all confidence in herself. Like Isaac and his namesake, the motif that 
Those you trust will sacrifice you when necessary. She is beautiful, and the world has sacrificed that beauty, that gift, throughout her life. Craft and Structure Looking back on this novel so far, I would say the tone and the themes have been consistent, and echo and build on one another. An additional aspect that is apparent in this uh, infantilization uh, that all the central characters feel. First, with Isaac and never being um, able to live as a free man, and constantly patronized by the whites, to Gideon being frustrated when adults constantly shield the truth from him because they feel he is too young. To Shayla, feeling like prison has reverted her back to being a baby with no real idea how to care for herself or to be on her own. There are blatant cruelties that occur, but it's also cruel to not allow people to grow, to keep them in a place and assume they can't advance for prejudicial reasons. It is much more subtle than the noose or the prison bars, something that can't always be seen or grasped as readily. That's where I wanted to be with this novel. Not only the real dangers and hardships, but the underlying mechanisms of oppressive systems that keep individuals or entire groups immobile. So the plan was to put her in a halfway house with other whores and protect them from their pimps and whomever else. She didn't like the thought of being lumped in with these other women, and she supposed she got that feeling of being better than everyone else from her parents. By now, she wasn't any better than these women, if not worse. She had a lighter complexion than some, and the boys in school would call her white girl and always want to touch her shoulder and elbow and throw some line at her. It was never a pickup line like you'd see on TV, some silly turn of phrase or just kissy faces. It was usually much more blunt than that. Hey, you got a man? What you doing later? I know you want it. She would smile or giggle, and if it was a boy she liked, she would try to say something witty back. But very quickly, she soured on being this attractive girl. Other girls would naturally think she was stuck up, and since her parents had this superior air about them, the kids from school picked up on from how their parents would talk about hers. She became this unapproachable, despised girl. Girls would start rumors, guys would claim they'd been with her, and Shayla soon dreaded every moment of school. Eyes were constantly on her, it seemed, and she was forced to just put her head on the desk, willing to either be sent to the principal or guidance, or the teacher possibly ignoring her because she wasn't being disruptive like some of the other kids. Most of the time, that didn't work either, and the teacher would bang on the desk to wake her up, or repeatedly say her name until she lifted her head. They just ensured all eyes in the room would be on her anyway, and kids would say she was on drugs, or the Palmer House wasn't as perfect as they portrayed it to be. Shayla would then skip class, hiding in the bathroom, until security finally dragged her out. Then she'd skip school altogether and got suspended for truancy. When she returned to school, girls suddenly thought she was cool and asked her to hang out after school. The girls liked to hang around the basketball courts and watch the boys play. They would fawn over the good players, wholeheartedly believing they would become big stars and the girls could ride on their coattails. They taught Shayla how to flirt, how to bat her eyes, or how to look at the boys in a way that was discernible between sexual fascination, apathy, and complete coldness, which would confuse the boys and drive them wild just to talk to you further in an attempt to decode the mystery on your face. 
The boys drank beer and smoked weed once they were done playing. And although the girls resisted for several weeks, eventually Dara, who was the leader of the group, acquiesced and soon all the girls, Shayla included, were drinking. It was a nice feeling. Shayla didn't have the ever-present worry that people were looking at her. They might have still, but when she was drinking, she didn't care. Let them look. The beer made her feel tough and she was glad people found her attractive. She'd have vague visions of being a model or an actress and the world raving about her beauty. She would do all of these great things in her life. She'd be cool and start to get good grades in school and go to college and someone would discover her and she'd do what her parents only said they'd do and get out of the ghetto and have a perfect life. Ah, the beer felt so good in these days, Shayla thought. There would be this little sting when you drank it and you felt different almost immediately. You felt happy and you liked everyone and everyone liked you and you had all these big plans swirling in your head. She then remembered the last time she was intoxicated, head swimming and seeing only violent bursts of light and then realizing she was in a police station and coming down hard off of liquor, weed, cocaine, and a muscle relaxer. It was all just never enough until you were wretchedly sick and could not take anymore. Those good grades never really seemed to come, but she reveled in being in the classroom and being the object of attention. She wielded this power, how she could make a boy melt by just asking for a pencil or scrunching her nose at him. She got to thinking perhaps that was all she needed. Her gift was her beauty and she could use it to her advantage. She could be with the star player, maybe the boy who did actually have a shot of going pro one day. The other girls were starting to give it up to the guys, and though she messed around a bit, she withheld. That was her ultimate advantage, and the longer she waited, the more she would attract that big fish, like the varsity point guard they said the city colleges were recruiting, or the running back who had the 40 speed of most NFL players. They would spit game at her, but she'd play hard to get. Flirting a little bit, but turning a shoulder and letting them know they'd really have to work for it. Yet she walked a fine line as the more she would drink, the more she felt amorous and willing to relent on her hard stance. It was after the sophomore dance that it all happened. Tavius had a party and some of the older boys came over. Shayla was drinking a little more than usual, still upset from a shouting match she had with her mother earlier in the evening. A boy named Jason gave her another beer and they both started dancing. She could feel him against her and she knew she liked it. He was tall and she recognized him from basketball. He wasn't a star like Tavius, but he was very cute and looked good in his uniform, his muscles sticking out of the sleeveless shirt. She didn't care. She felt good and so did he. If she waited too long, she'd be some kind of freak anyway. There was a limit to these things. If she waited too long, they would start calling her a prude or a lesbian, or she'd be too stuck up for them once again. So she let him do it. He had to know what he was doing. It felt good, awkward, but definitely a new feeling. She remembered he had this dumb look on his face when he was done, like he had done something wrong. It turned out he did. She found out she was pregnant a month later. Her first thought was that she didn't want it. She was just getting popular at school and she started thinking seriously about her future and this mistake that happened. Before she told anyone, she researched abortion or adoption but it just didn't seem right to her. It was her burden, and she started to think this could be what she really needed to get serious about things and take responsibility. The first person she told was Jason. He had that same dumb expression from the night of the party, but he soon started saying he would do whatever she needed to help him out. She said all she needed from him was to keep it between them until she was certain with her decision. Shayla wanted to tell one of her girlfriends, 
but she grew paranoid that they would start calling her a slut or maybe sever ties with her since being a mom would mean she would no longer be fun. She dressed in layers to conceal her baby bump, but when that no longer became an option, she confessed to her mother. In all of those years of animosity she had for her mother, she had to admit she was grateful in how calmly her mother took the news and expertly walked her through what to do next. Though he didn't say much, Shayla could tell her father was disappointed in her. She had become another statistic, another representation of deteriorating values in the neighborhood. Nonetheless, he drove her to all of her doctor's appointments and never once scolded her for this circumstance. She tried to do better in school with some notion of being a success now for her child, but it was often hard to keep concentration. Like reading now as an inmate, she would start to worry about how she would do as a mother, how she would earn money to care for it, how involved Jason would be, and how she could recover her school credits when she gave birth. She was soon visibly pregnant as well, and those eyes were once again constantly on her. However, not for her beauty, but for her disgrace. It was certain that people talked, though they quickly shut up when she was within earshot. Surely there were rumors or discussion of her as easy, and how the mighty Palmers now had a pregnant teen. But what was there really to do? It was like having to work outside on a hot day. Eventually, you just got used to the heat and accepted it. She loved Kadeem when he was born, and she was utterly astonished that she could produce something so beautiful. Her parents loved him too and helped out immensely, especially early on. Her father, who never called out of work, would take a sick day the moment Kadeem needed to be watched or errands needed to be ran. Her mother spoiled him with toys and was always changing a diaper or reading a story to him. Jason was also present at the house every day, but he still wanted his life to be intact, playing basketball, going to parties, even flirting with other girls, and the two seemed to break up nearly every other week. As the school year wound down, he started talking about small colleges upstate that wanted him to play basketball and how they were never really together and it was a one-night thing, and she knew he wouldn't stay, although he vowed to visit often and send money when he could. She felt constantly behind when she returned to school in the fall, and she could not get her mind off of Kadeem. It all just no longer mattered to her, and she dropped out after the first semester. She worked as a cashier at the neighborhood grocery store, and she had the plan of saving money, getting her GED, and then going to a trade school, perhaps cosmetology like a few of her girlfriends were planning. Shayla would always get compliments from customers about her beauty, and there didn't seem to be a day that went by when Terrence, known as Pretty Boy Peach, an aspiring rapper who sold mixtapes in the store parking lot and only wore shades of orange or pink, wouldn't come in and make her blush at the register by performing a new rap about how beautiful she was and how she, he would treat her right. He was stupid, but the way he had no fear in doing this in front of all the other customers, not minding that he would look ridiculous, was also charming in a way. He was fairly skilled as a rapper, and his enormous confidence and persistence was alluring to her. He would always rap about her being in one of his music videos, but eventually he started talking about it in earnest, citing this famous producer or record label manager, and he looked her in the eyes one day and asked her seriously if she would be in a video they were shooting at the end of the month. It was truly flattering, and it aroused her dreams of being a model or actress once again. She smiled wryly at him and said she would do it. Shayla was so excited about the opportunity that she barely ate a crumb for the rest of the month. She figured she would have to wear an outfit that was at least slightly revealing, so she wanted her body in prime shape. Pretty Boy Peach would continue to come into the store each day and excite her with news of the video production. They had a video director who shot videos for a few other rising rappers, as well as a choreographer and a skilled lighting crew. 
It was silly, but she would spend her nights after work taking care of Kadeem, dancing along with music videos, studying the patterns, and practicing in the mirror. Finally, the day came and she arrived first thing in the morning at the old warehouse on Delaware Avenue that was repurposed as an art studio. She knew very little about the video besides that she would be dancing behind Pretty Boy with a few other girls as he rapped. There would be a few shots of her dancing next to him, and there would likely be a few shots of her just looking sultry into the camera. The director, Lonnie Joyce, was the first to greet her. He pursed her lips into an O and bugged his eyes out, as if utterly stunned by her beauty. Lonnie was likely in his 40s, though he was slim, and his small crimped afro, which resembled a succulent plant, was jet black. He wore a baggy denim coat with a black wife beater underneath and jeans designed with holes and frays. After he was done with his shocked routine, he smiled wide at Shayla and began to rattle off all the rappers he had worked with. She was not too familiar with the lesser known rappers and it seemed like every other person was either Lil or Big. He then escorted her into a dressing room where Wanda, in charge of wardrobe and makeup, ran her through the three outfits she would wear for the video and the plan to do her hair in partial cornrows and straight extensions that would curl out at her shoulders. Wanda was young but motherly, like a salon worker whom you let do her thing because you know she would use her skills to make you beautiful. Shayla waited on the leather couch until the other dancers arrived. She had a tinge of doubt in participating in the video, imagining her parents disapproving of her dancing around, scantily clad. They somehow being appalled that she as a mother was dancing around seductively and not setting a good example for Kadeem. Worse yet, the video could somehow become popular and everybody view her as some slut dancing around for money. Lonnie would likely require her to lick her lips and swash around her tongue seductively like girls did in other videos. Suddenly she felt frightened. This was compounded with the arrival of the other dancers. They appeared so composed and confident, carrying themselves with this nonchalance as if they'd done this a million times before. She would expose herself as an amateur or people say she was the ugly one in the video. They were all so beautiful and had such voluptuous asses and breasts. Hers were meager in comparison. They'd call her anorexic or flat. She wanted to leave, to just burst out of the exit doors. However, the shoot was moving along and Pretty Boy and his people were in the building and some assistant kept popping in with time checks and she was soon in hair and makeup. Wanda offered her a martini and Shayla accepted. She hadn't touched alcohol since being pregnant with Kadeem, but she figured what was the harm. She recalled drinking beer in high school and losing her inhibition and anxiety. So she drank with the hope that it would happen again. It was better to be loose anyway. If she was nervous, she would be tight and she would look like a fool dancing out there. By the time she finished her second drink, Wanda completed her hair and makeup. Shayla was dazzled by her appearance in the mirror and she was ready to be a sexy dancer in the video. The shoot was more arduous than she had anticipated with several stoppages and malfunctions with film equipment and lighting. However challenging, Shayla and the other girls were never criticized and were complimented for their dance fluency and sexiness throughout filming. She would have a few martinis as the day continued, and by the end of filming at 1 a.m., she was feeling tipsy. Lonnie invited Shayla and the girls to a club to celebrate the video, and Shayla accepted with delight. The club was dark with violence, vibrant strobe lights pulsating throughout. Girls in cocktail dresses weaved around the club, offering shots of bright and green liquor. Gaudy statues of pharaohs, pyramids, sphinxes, and other Egyptian iconography decorated the room, the strobe lights shimmering off the fake gold statues and necklaces that some men wore. Lonnie and Pretty Boy ordered round after round of drinks, 
and it all felt like a dream to Shayla. She had been a fool to deny herself of this pleasure, this freedom of alcohol, and basking in the beauty that she possessed. She danced and let the men feel her from the nape of her neck to her thighs. She pressed her body against them, just enough to excite them, and then she would walk away and move on to the next suitor. It was power. She was wanted. She was going to be a star like Lonnie and Pretty Boy said. She wasn't sure and kept saying no. She didn't want it, but he continued. There was pain and she told him to stop, but he didn't. A strange room, bright red, a pool table somewhere, hiking her panties back up quickly. He driving her home and saying that was just how it goes. You want people to see how pretty you really are, right? How did he know that? Maybe that was how it went. Chow, the CO shouted and wheeled in the dinner trays. The food was bland, but they gave you a meat, vegetable, and starch. It wasn't gruel like in the movies. She didn't have to do anything for this food. She just had to get arrested. There were probably people out there that had a problem with her just being given food and not earning it. They'd probably huff and puff about how she was cheating the system in some way and that she would have this sense of guilt for each free meal she was given and gratitude that the system was keeping her fed, but she didn't. No, the only guilt she had was that she expected it. It was like being a baby and they were saying you don't even have the same sense of survival. You have failed on the outside and now you must be arrested. And that's really what it was. You were stuck in this state of infancy, basic needs of food, shelter, and sometimes security met, and that was it. Then they released you and it was like relearning to walk each time. Oh, I'm hungry. I guess I need to work or hustle somehow. Then you'd moan like a child because all of those needs were so easy to have on the inside and you'd have these bad thoughts of just going back to jail in your head. Why not? She would be out soon and going to the halfway house. They would set her up with some little job, maybe bagging groceries or washing dishes, and she'd have her little babysitters making sure she didn't get into trouble. It was senseless to be this cynical. She needed to at least try. Even a small child would try to swim if it were drowning. Two weeks and she would be out. Two weeks to give it another shot. Thank you very much for listening. Please join us next time as we read and review Chapter 4 of Live Note. As always, follow on Instagram at Matthew Glasgow Author and visit Amazon for reading options. Until next time.